Hello, and welcome back to Riverside Readings. I am your host, Trent Miley, and today we will be continuing on our journey of our Shakespeare sonnet series. In part six, which covered sonnets 106 to 130, we finally saw what happens when the quiet parts are said out loud. No longer able to contain themselves, our lovers admitted they were untruthful to the other, each in reaction to the other's infidelity. However, through all of that turmoil, it turned into something good. Accepting each other regardless of that major flaw and being defiant towards other people and how they are viewing them, unaware of their situation. Were the last few saucy sonnets foreshadowing things being healed? Or is the lust in their eyes blinding them to the red flags being waved in their faces? I look forward to what we discover in the final part of our Shakespeare sonnet series on Riverside Readings. Without further ado, here is the final set of Shakespeare's sonnets, 131 to 154. Thou art as tyrannous, so as thou art, as those whose beauties proudly make them cruel. For well thou knowest, to my dear doting heart, thou art the fairest and most precious jewel. Yet in good faith some say, that thee behold, thy face hath not the power to make love groan. To say they err, I dare not be so bold, although I swear it to myself alone. And to be sure that it is not false, I swear a thousand groans but thinking on thy face. One on another's neck do witness bear thy black is fairest in my judgment's place. In nothing art thou black save in thy deeds, and thence this slander, as I think, proceeds. You are as tyrannous as you are as cruel as those whose beauty proudly makes them cruel. For as you know well, to my tender doting heart, you are the most beautiful and most precious jewel. Yet some who have seen you say, in all honesty, that your face does not have the power to make love itself groan. I dare not be so bold to say that they are wrong, although I swear to myself that you do make love groan. And to be sure that this is not false, I swear a thousand groans just by thinking of your face, which come one after another to attest that your blackness is the most beautiful in my judgment. You are not black in any way other than in your actions, and that is where, I think, this slander against you comes from. Thine eyes I love, and they, as pitying me, knowing thy heart torment me with disdain, have put on black, and loving mourners be, 
looking with pretty ruth upon my pain. And truly, not the morning sun of heaven better becomes the gray cheeks of the east, not that full star that ushers in the even doth half that glory to the sober west, as those two morning eyes become thy face. O oh, let it then as well beseem thy heart to mourn for me, since morning doth thee grace, and suit thy pity like in every part. Then will I swear beauty herself is black, and all they foul that thy complexion lack. I love your eyes, and they as if pitying me, knowing that your heart torments me with its disdain, have put on black, and have become loving mourners, looking on my pain with pretty compassion. And truly, not even the morning sun looks as good in the gray clouds of the eastern sky, nor does the shining star that bring forth the evening look half as good in the calm western sky. And those two morning eyes look on your face, Oh, let it then suit your heart as well to mourn for me, since mourning suits you, and mourning dress suits your pity in every way. Then I will swear that beauty herself is black, and anyone who doesn't have your complexion is foul. Beshrew that heart that makes my heart to groan for that deep wound it gives my friend and me. Isn't it not enough to torture me alone, but slave to slavery my sweetest friend must be? Me from myself thy cruel eye hath taken, and my next self thou harder hast engrossed. Of him, myself, in thee I am forsaken, a torment thrice threefold thus to be crossed. Prison my heart in thy steel bosom's ward, but then my friend's heart let my poor heart bail. Whoe'er keeps me, let my heart be his guard. Thou canst not then use rigor in my jail, and yet thou wilt, for I being pent in thee, perforce am thine, and all that is in me. Curse that heart that makes my heart groan for that deep wound it gives to my friend in me. Is it not enough to torture me? Must you also completely make my friend your slave? Your cruel eye has taken me from myself, and you have possessed my next self even more powerfully. I have been deserted by him, myself, and you. A triple torment multiplied three times to be crucified like this. Prison my heart in the steel custody of your chest, but let my poor heart be the bail for my friend's heart. Whoever imprisons me, let my heart protect him. Then you cannot use cruelty in my prison, and yet you will. Since I am imprisoned in you, I am yours by force, and all that is in me is yours. So now I have confessed that he is thine, and I myself am mortgaged to thy will. Myself I'll forfeit, so that other mine thou wilt restore to be my comfort still. But thou wilt not, nor he will not be free. 
For thou art covetous, and he is kind. He learned but surety like to write for me, under that bond that him as fast doth bind. The statute of thy beauty thou wilt take, thou usurer, that puttest forth all to use, and sue a friend came debtor for my sake, so him I lose through my unkind abuse. Him have I lost. Thou hast both him and me. He pays the whole, and yet am I not free. So now I have admitted that he is yours, and I am contractually bound to your will. I will give up myself, so that the other me you will return to be my comfort once again. But you will not, nor does he wish to be free, for you are greedy and he is kind. He learnt to write only to stand as my forfeit, and in that bond he is bound as strongly as I am. You will exercise the full rights of your beauty, you money lender, using everything for profit, and will sue my friend, who became a debtor for my sake. I have lost him because of my mistreatment of him. I have lost him. You have both him and me. He pays the whole debt, and yet I am not free. Whoever hath her wish, thou hast thy will, and will to boot, and will in overplus. More than enough am I, that vex thee still, to thy sweet will making addition thus. Wilt thou, whose will is large and spacious, not once vouchsafe to hide my will in thine? Shall will in others seem right gracious, and in my will no fair acceptance shine? The sea, all water, yet receives rain still, and in abundance addeth to his store. So thou, being rich in will, Add to thy will one will of mine, to make thy large will more. Let no unkind, no fair beseechers kill. Think all but one, and me in that one will. Other women may have their wish come true, but you have your will, and will additionally, and will in excess. I am more than enough, annoying you still, to your sweet will making my addition like this. Will you, whose will is large and spacious, not once allow me to hide my will in yours? Shall other people's will seem attractive, while my will gets no kind attention from you? The sea is all water, but still it receives rain, and in abundance adds it to its store. So you, being rich in will, should add to your will one more will from me, to make your will larger. Let no ungenerous refusals kill any handsome suitors. Consider all of them as one, and me in that one will. If thy soul check thee that I come so near, Swear to thy blind soul that I was thy will, and will, thy soul knows, 
is admitted there. Thus far for love my love suit sweet fulfill. Will, will fulfill the treasure of thy love. I fill it full with wills, and my will one. In things of great receipt with ease we prove among a number one is reckoned none. Then in the number let me pass untold. Though in thy store's account I one must be. For nothing hold me. So it please thee hold that nothing me but something sweet to thee. Make but my name thy love, and love that still, and then thou lovest me, for my name is Will. If your soul stops me from coming so close to you, tell your blind soul that I was your will, and will, as your soul knows, is allowed to enter there. Do that much for love and sweetly fulfill my love suit. Will will fill up the treasure chest of your love. Yes, fill it full with wills and with my one will. In something that can fit many things inside like your womanhood, a single thing in it is not worth counting on its own. So among those many men who fill you up, let me be uncounted although I must be considered a part of your complete tally of men. Consider me to be nothing, provided that my being nothing is sweet to you. Just love only my name, and love it always, and then you will love me, since my name is Will. Thou blind fool love, what dost thou to mine eyes, that they behold and see not what they see? They know what beauty is, see where it lies, yet what the best is take the worst to be. If eyes corrupt by over-partial looks be anchored in the bay where all men ride, why of eyes' falsehood hast thou forged hooks whereto the judgment of my heart is tied? Why should my heart think that a several plot which my heart knows the wide world's commonplace? Or mine eyes, seeing this, say this is not, to put fair truth upon so foul a face. In things right true my heart and eyes have erred, and to this false plague are they now transferred. Love, you blind fool. What have you done to my eyes, that they look, but do not see what they see? They know what beauty is, and can see where it lies. But they take the ugliest woman to be the most beautiful. If eyes, corrupted by prejudiced glances, remain on the person who has slept with everyone, why have you made hooks out of those false visions to which the judgment of my heart is tied. Why should my heart think it is a private possession when my heart knows it is publicly available to everyone? And why should my eyes, seeing this, say that it isn't true in order to make beautiful truth cover such a foul face? My heart and eyes have been unable to see the truth. 
they have been infected by this plague of falseness. When my love swears that she is made of truth, I do believe her, though I know she lies, that she might think me some untutored youth unlearned in the world's false subtleties, thus vainly thinking that she thinks me young, although she knows my days are past the best. Simply, I credit her false speaking tongue. On both sides, thus is simple truth suppressed. But wherefore says she not she is unjust, and wherefore say not I that I am old? O oh, love's best habit is in seeming trust, in age and love loves not to have years told. Therefore I lie with her, and she with me, and in our faults by lies we flattered be. When my love swears that she is essentially faithful, I believe her although I know she is lying, so that she thinks I am a naive young man unaware of the false tricks of the world, thus vainly imagining that she thinks that I am young, although she knows that my best days are behind me. I stupidly pretend to believe her lies, therefore on both sides truth is suppressed. But why does she not say that she is unfaithful? And why do I not say that I am old? Oh, because love's best habit is the appearance of trust, and older people in love do not like to hear their age discussed. Therefore I lie with her, and she lies with me, and in our flaws we are flattered by lies. O oh, call not me to justify the wrong that thy unkindness lays upon my heart. Wound me not with thine eye, but with thy tongue. Use power with power, and slay me not by art. Tell me thou lovest elsewhere, but in my sight, dear heart, forbear to glance thine eye aside. What needest thou wound with cunning when thy might is more than my o'erpressed defense can bide? Let me excuse thee. Ah, my love well knows her pretty looks have been mine enemies, and therefore from my face she turns my foes, that they elsewhere might dart their injuries. Yet do not so, but since I am near slain, kill me outright with looks, and rid my pain. Oh, do not ask me to excuse the harm that your unkindness has caused to my heart. Do not hurt me with your expression, but by speaking. Use your power directly, and don't hurt me subtly. Tell me you love someone else, but while I can see you, my love, please stop looking at other people. Why do you need to wound in such a cunning way when your power is stronger than what my overwhelmed defense can bear? Let me make excuses for you. Ah, my love knows well that her pretty glances have hurt me and therefore she turns her eyes away from my face, so that they might hurt someone else instead. But actually, don't do that. But since I am almost dead anyway, kill me directly with your looks, and put me out of my misery.
Be wise as thou art cruel. Do not press my tongue-tied patience with too much disdain. Lest sorrow lend me words, and words express the manner of my pity wanting pain. If I might teach thee wit, better it were, thou not to love, yet love to tell me so. As testy sick men, when their deaths be near, no news but health from their physicians know. For if I should despair, I should grow mad, and in my madness might speak ill of thee. Now this ill, resting world is grown so bad, mad slanderers by mad ears believed be, that I may not be so, nor thou belied, bear thine eyes straight, thou thy proud heart go wide. Be as wise as you are cruel, do not torment my silent patience with too much disdain. In case my sorrow makes me express myself in the pitiful pain that I am in. If I could teach you common sense, it would be better to tell me you love me even when you don't. Just as irritable sick men who are near their death hear no news from their doctors other than they are healthy. For if I despair, I would go crazy, and in my madness I might speak badly of you. Now the cynical world has grown so bad that mad insults are believed by mad ears. So that I do not spread bad words about you, or have you be slandered, look straight at me, even if your heart is wandering. In faith, I do not love thee with mine eyes, for they in thee a thousand errors note. But tis my heart that loves what they despise, who in despite of view is pleased to dote. Nor are mine ears with thy tongue's tune delighted, nor tender feeling to base touches prone, nor taste, nor smell, desired to be invited to any sensual feast with thee alone. But my five wits, nor my five senses, can dissuade one foolish heart from serving thee, who leaves unswayed the likeness of a man, thy proud heart's slave and vassal wretch to be. Only my plague thus far I count my gain, that she that makes me sin awards me pain. Truly, I do not love you with my eyes, which noticed a thousand flaws in you. It is my heart that loves what my eyes despise, who in despite of the sight is happy to love you. Nor are my ears delighted by hearing your voice, nor are my tender feelings inspired by your crude touch, nor taste, nor smell, want to be invited to any banquet of senses with you alone. But neither my five faculties nor my five senses can dissuade my foolish heart from obeying you, which leaves behind the appearance of masculinity, to be the slave and vassal of your heart. However, I count my disease so far as a gain, since she, making me sin, rewards me with pain.
Love is my sin, and thy dear virtue hate, hate of my sin, grounded on sinful loving. Oh, but with mine compare thou thine own state, and thou shalt find it merits not reproving, or, if it do, not from those lips of thine, that have profaned their scarlet ornaments and sealed false bonds of love as oft as mine, robbed others' beds revenues of their rents. Be it lawful, I love thee as thou lovest those whom thine eyes woo as mine in Portune thee, root pity in thy heart, that when it grows thy pity may deserve to pitied be. If thou dost seek to have what thou dost hide, by self-example mayst thou be denied. Love is my sin, and your best virtue is hate. You hate my sin, both of them come from sinful love. Oh, if you would only compare my state with yours, you would see that it does not deserve to be condemned, or if it does, at least not by your lips, which have disgraced their scarlet ornaments and kissed the lips of others in unfaithful liaisons as often as mine. Robbing other people of the love to which they have a right, let it be lawful for me to love you as you love those who your eyes woo even as mine beg for your attention. Plant pity in your heart, so that when it grows, through pity you may deserve to be pitied. If you seek to have what you are hiding from others, you would be denied it by your own example. Lo, as a careful housewife runs to catch one of her feathered creatures broke away, sets down her babe and makes all swift dispatch in pursuit of the thing she would have stay. Whilst her child holds her in chase, cries to catch her whose busy care is bent to follow that which flies before her face, not prizing her poor infant's discontent. So runnest thou after that which flies from thee, whilst I, thy babe, chase thee afar behind. But if thou catch thy hope, turn back to me, and play the mother's part, kiss me, be kind. So will I pray that thou mayst have thy will, if thou turn back in my loud crying still. Behold, as an anxious housewife runs to catch one of her birds that is broken out of its cage, she puts down her baby and makes haste in pursuit of the thing that she would like to keep, while her neglected child runs after her, trying to catch her, whose busy care is focused to follow that thing fleeing just ahead of her, neglecting her poor child's unhappiness. Likewise, you run after that which runs away from you, while I, your baby, chase you from far behind. But if you catch the thing you want, turn back to me and play the role of the mother. Kiss me, be kind. So I will pray that you have your will. If you turn back and stop my loud crying. Two loves I have, 
of comfort and despair, which like two spirits do suggest me still. The better angel is a man right fair, the worser spirit a woman colored ill. To win me soon to hell, my female evil tempteth my better angel from my side, and would corrupt my saint to be a devil, wooing his purity with her foul pride. And whether that my angel be turned fiend, suspect I may, but not directly tell. But being both from me, both to each friend, I guess one angel in another's hell. Yet this shall I ne'er know, but live in doubt, till my bad angel fire my good one out. I have two loves, one of comfort and one of despair, which, like two spirits, tempt me. The better angel is a very beautiful man, and the worst spirit is an evil woman. To seduce me to hell, my female evil tempts my better angel from my side, and would corrupt my saint to become a devil, seducing his purity with her foul pride. And whether my angel is turned into monster I can only suspect, but not directly know. But since both are absent from me and friends with each other, I guess that the one angel is in another's hell. Yet I will never know this, and must live in doubt, until my bad angel burns my good one. Those lips that love's own hand did make breathe forth that sound that said, I hate to me that languished for her sake. But when she saw my woeful state, straight in her heart did mercy come, chiding that tongue that, ever sweet, was used in giving gentle doom, and taught it thus anew to greet. I hate she altered with an end that followed it as gentle day doth follow night who, like a fiend from heaven to hell, is flown away. I hate from hate away she threw, and saved my life, saying not you. Those lips that love's own hand made breathe out the sound that means I hate to me, who was yearning for her love. But when she saw my sorrowful state, her heart immediately became merciful chastising that tongue which, always sweet, was used to offer gentle judgments, and taught it to greet me in a different way. She changed I hate, with a different ending that followed it like a noble day follows night, which like a monster flies away from heaven to hell. She tore the words I hate away from hate and saved my life by adding not you. Poor soul, the center of my sinful earth, thrall to these rebel powers that thee array. Why dost thou pine within and suffer dearth, painting thy outward walls so costly gay? Why so large cost, having so short a lease, dost thou open thy fading mansion spend? Shall worms, inheritors of this excess, Eat up thy charge, 
Is this thy body's end? Then soul, live thou upon thy servant's loss, and let that pine to aggravate thy store. By terms divine and selling hours of dross, within be fed, without be rich no more. So shalt thou feed on death, that feeds on men, and death once dead, there's no more dying then. My poor soul, which is the sinner of my sinful body, dressed in the rebel powers of the body, why do you starve within the body and suffer poverty, decorating your outer walls with such costly splendor? Why do you spend so much on such a short leash in a fading mansion that you will only stay shortly? Will worms, the inheritors of this excess, eat up what you have spent? Is this how the body will end? Then soul, live instead of your servant's loss and let it starve to increase your store by divine terms, by selling worthless hours. Be well fed within, and do not be rich on the outside. In this way, you will feed on death, which feeds on men. And once death itself is dead, there will be no more dying. My love is as a fever, longing still for that which longer nurseth the disease, feeding on that which doth preserve the ill, the uncertain sickly appetite to please. My reason, the physician to my love, angry that his prescriptions are not kept, hath left me, and I desperate now approve desire is death, which psychic did accept. Past cure I am, now reason is past cure. And frantic mad with evermore unrest, my thoughts in my discourse as madmen's are, at random from the truth vainly expressed. For I have sworn thee fair and thought thee bright, who art as black as hell and dark as night. My love is like a fever, still longing for the thing that makes the disease last longer, feeding on the thing that preserves the harm to please the fickle, sickly appetite. My reason, which is the doctor of my love sickness, became angry that his advice was not followed and has left me. And I, now desperate, accept that desire which my doctor forbade me is indeed deadly. I am past cure, now that reason no longer cares for me. Frantic and mad with increasing unrest, my thoughts and my speech are like a madman's, wandering between truth and ridiculous expressions. This is because I swore that you were fair and thought you were bright. You who are black as hell and dark as night.
Oh me, what eyes have love put in my head which have no correspondence with true sight? Or if they have, where is my judgment fled that censures falsely what they see aright? If that be fair whereon my false eyes dote, what means the world to say it is not so? If it be not, then love doth well denote love's eye is not so true as all men's. No, how can it? Oh, how can love's eye be true that is so vexed with watching and with tears? No marvel, then, though I mistake my view, the sun itself sees not till heaven clears. Oh, cunning love! With tears thou keepest me blind, lest eyes well seeing thou foul faults should find. Oh, what kind of eyes have love put into my head, which have no correspondence with what is truly there? Or, if they do, where has my judgment gone, so that I judge as false what they see correctly? If the thing that my false eyes dote upon is beautiful, why does the world say that it is not so? If it is not, then love does improve what it sees. Love's eye is not as accurate as everyone else's. No, how can it be? Oh, how can love's eye be true when it is so irritated from staying up and crying? No wonder then that I see inaccurately. The sun itself does not see until the sky clears up. Oh, clever love, you keep me blind with tears. In the case, the eyes, seeing accurately, find your foul flaws. Canst thou, O cruel, say I love thee not? when I against myself with thee partake? Do I not think on thee, when I forgot am of myself all tyrant for thy sake? Who hath of thee that I do call my friend? On whom frownest thou that I do fawn upon? Nay, if thou lowerest on me, do I not spend revenge upon myself with present moan? What merit do I in myself respect that is so proud thy service to despise, when all my best doth worship thy defect, commanded by the motion of thine eyes? But love, hate on, for now I know thy mind. Those cannot see thou lovest, and I am blind. Can you, O cruel one, say that I don't love you? When I take your side against myself? Do I not think about you, even when I forget I have my own interest all for your sake, you tyrant? Who hates you that I call my friend? On whom do you frown that I fawn over? No, if you frown on me, don't I inflict revenge upon myself with a moan? What quality do I have to call my own, that is proud enough not to want to serve you, that all of my best qualities worship your flaws commanded by the motion of your eyes? But love, keep on hating, for now 
I know what you think. You love those who see clearly, and I am blind. Oh, from what power hast thou this powerful might with insufficiency my heart to sway to make me give the lie to my true sight and swear that brightness doth not grace the day? Whence hast thou this becoming of things ill that in the very refuse of thy deeds there is such strength and warrantize of skill that in my mind thy worst all best exceeds? Who taught thee how to make me love thee more? The more I hear and see just cause of hate. Oh, though I love what others do abhor, with others thou shouldest not abhor my state. If thy unworthiness raised love in me, more worthy I to be beloved of thee. Oh, from what power do you get this powerful might? which controls my heart with insufficiency to make me deny what I truly see and swear that brightness does not beautify the day. From where do you get this power to make ugly things beautiful, that in the least noble of your actions there is such strength and guarantee of skill that, in my mind, your worst is better than the best of anything else? Who taught you how to make me love you more, the more I hear and see reasons to hate you? Oh, although I love what others hate, you should not abhor my love with others. If your unworthiness provoked love in me, I am even more worthy of your love. Love is too young to know what conscious is, yet who knows not conscious is born of love? Then, gentle cheater, urge not my amiss, lest guilty of my thoughts thy sweet self prove. For, thou betraying me, I do betray my nobler part to my gross body's treason. My soul doth tell my body that he may triumph in love, Flesh stays no father reason, but, rising at thy name, doth point out thee as his triumphant prize. Proud of this pride, he is contented thy poor drudge to be, to stand in thy affairs, fall by thy side. No want of conscience hold it that I call her love for whose dear love I rise and fall. Love is too young to know what conscience is, but who doesn't know that conscience is born of love? Then, gentle cheater, do not accuse me of being evil, in case you prove yourself to be guilty of my faults. Since, when you betray me, I reveal my noble soul to be betrayed by my lowly body. My soul tells my body that he may triumph in love, and the flesh doesn't wait any longer, but rising at your name and points you out as his triumphant prize. Proud of this pride, 
he is happy to be your poor servant, to stand in your duties and fall by your side. It is not from lack of sense of duty that I call her love, since for her love I rise and fall. In loving thee thou knowest I am forsworn, but thou art twice forsworn to me love swearing. In act thy bed vow broke in new faith torn, and vowing new hate after new love bearing. But why of two oaths breach do I accuse thee when I break twenty? I am perjured most, for all my vows are oaths but two misuse thee, and all my honest faith in thee is lost. For I have sworn deep oaths of thy deep kindness, oaths of thy love, thy truth, thy constancy, and, to enlighten thee, gave eyes to blindness, or made them swear against the thing they see. For I have sworn thee fair, more perjured I, to swear against the truth so foul a lie. In loving you, I know I am being unfaithful. But you break two vows by swearing love to me. You broke your wedding vows by adultery, and you tore apart a new relationship by hating him, breaking your vow to love your new lover. But why do I accuse you of breaking two vows when I break twenty? I have lied the most, since all my vows are promises to abuse you, and all my honest trust in you is lost. For I have sworn deep oaths that are deeply kind, oaths of your love, truthfulness, and constancy, and to give, make you seem better than you are, made myself blind or made others deny what they saw, for I have sworn you are fair. The eye is the worst liar, to swear against the truth to support such a foul lie. Cupid lay by his brand and fell asleep, a maid of Dian's this advantage found. And his love kindling fire did quickly steep in a cold valley fountain of that ground, which borrowed from this holy fire of love a dateless lively heat, still to endure, and grew a seething bath, which yet men prove against strange maladies a sovereign cure. But at my mistress's eye loves brand new fired. The boy for trial needs would touch my breast. I, sick withal, the help of bath desired, and thither hide a sad distempered guest, but found no cure. The bath for my help lies where Cupid got new fire, my mistress's eye. Cupid put his torch down and fell asleep. One of Diana's nymphs took advantage of this situation and quickly plunged his love-kindling torch into a cold spring in a valley nearby, which borrowed the fire of love from the torch in internal and vital heat, 
which still endures, and became a bubbling bath which men still use, the best cure against strange diseases. But love's torch is lighted again by my mistress's eye, and Cupid, wanting to test it, touched my breast with it. I, sick with love, and desired the help of the bath, and went there as a sad, diseased guest. However, I found no cure. The only bath that can help lies. Where Cupid got his new fire, my mistress's gaze. The little love god lying once asleep laid by his side his heart in flaming brand, whilst many nymphs that vowed chaste life to keep came tripping by. But in her maiden hand the fairest votary took up that fire, which many legions of true hearts had warmed. And so the general of hot desire was sleeping by a virgin hand disarmed. This brand she quenched in a cool well by, which from love's fire took heat perpetual, growing a bath and heathful remedy for men diseased. But I, my mistress's thrall, came there for cure, and this by that I prove. Love's fire heats water, water cools not love. The little love god, once lying asleep, put down by his side his heart in flaming torch, while many nymphs that swore to remain chaste came walking by. But in her virgin hand, the most beautiful of all who had vowed virginity took the torch, which had warmed many faithful hearts. And so the commander of hot desire was, while sleeping disarmed, by a virgin's hand. This torch she plunged in a cool well nearby, which took endless heat from love's fire, becoming a bath and a healthy remedy for sick men. But I, a servant of my mistress, came there for a cure, and so by that I experience I can prove this. Love's fire heats water, Water does not cool love. Since this is the final episode in our Shakespeare's Sonnet series, I'm adding what I would do at the start of each episode in this series, at the end, because after this episode, that will be it for the Shakespeare sonnets, and I will be moving on to other stories. In this final part of our Shakespeare journey, we discovered that love is blind. It binds and clings us to those whose love we leave our mark upon. At times, we feel we wasted our lives with those we loved before. However, we still remember their name and hold a place for them in our hearts, whether it be from Cupid's arrow 
or someone coming into our pool of love, we pass along our fiery passion and look towards better days than the ones we have had before. If you enjoyed listening to me talk, I have another show on Spotify called Extra Point, X-T-R-A-P-O-I-N-T, with my best friend, Bakari Garvin, and we have an Instagram at Extra Point Pod, X-T-R-A-P-O-I-N-T-P-O-D. And if you want content or knowledge about your host, me, Trent Miley, follow my professional Instagram at Riverside underscore readings. This has been Riverside Readings. I am your host, Trent Miley, and I wanted to personally thank you for joining me as we covered our first series of Riverside Readings. I have thoroughly enjoyed bringing this content to you regardless of if you are listening to it through your headphones, a speaker in your room, or if you decided to get a group of friends and blast it on a boombox. Thank you. Thank you so much. And as always, I look forward to the next journey we take together. As Last Pod would say, hail yourself and magustalations. <laughs>